0: This episode is brought to you in part by Litvin School of Mission, Ministry and Leadership at Wheaton College. Our graduate programs in evangelism, ministry and leadership enrich your mind, spirit, vocation and character to refine what's already within you. Learn more at wheaton.edu/ct. You're listening to episode 76.
1: Um. didn't sign up for this
0: of the in-between podcast where you'll discover ideas to build a strong connected and joy-filled marriage and family my name is daniel
1: and i'm christina m
0: well today we're gonna be talking about hard things (laughs)
1: like what
0: like (laughs) walnuts like
1: bricks
0: (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna be talking about four things to remember when marriage is hard
1: hmm is marriage hard daniel
0: uh, no, it's completely easy. It's like the easiest thing I've ever done <laughs> exactly. in life. Yeah. For sure. I've
1: never cried. Not even a day. <laughs> yeah.
0: Way easier than training for a 10K. That's right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> than changing the tires on my car. Oh, yeah. Completely. Completely.
0: <laughs> Man, in marriage, we have a lot of seasons. We right? do. And I think that's the that's the neat thing about marriage. It's kind of like life. We have ups and we have downs. And and the thing about marriage is it's a commitment, right? Uh, it's a covenant that you make with one another to say, hey, in good times and in bad, maybe the vow should say when <laughs> it happens, not yes, if. Yes, yes. Because it's going to happen.
1: Right. Riches or poor or whatever they say, that happens too, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, even for us, there's been what is it now 13 years and there have been different moments I think during the 13 years, but I'd probably say our seventh year and it hasn't been all peachy keen until our seventh year, but our seventh year was probably the longest stretch of difficult, um, Yeah, of of that difficult season, wouldn't you agree?
1: Yes, I don't even know if it would be considered a season because I think it was like six months. (laughs) Maybe that's the season in Edmonton, like winter season. Yeah,
0: Yeah, it was. We were in Edmonton at the time and and it was just such a, it was was so hard to be on, on a different page than you.
1: Because that hasn't really happened very often. I mean, obviously, we have disagreements and we have different views on things. But usually, I feel like with talking and using the tools that we had before, Mm -hmm. we were able to come to an agreement. We don't say that we come to a compromise because uh, we've talked about it before. But in premarital counseling, we really learned. Like with compromise, it's the way that you think of it. It's almost like, well, I'll give in this time. But the next time, because I gave in this time, Daniel, you better be giving in next time
0: it's a give and take exactly and and that's not helpful or healthy for any marriage to be thinking about
1: completely and so we really work hard to be on the same page and come to agreement but this was a very hard hard time where no matter what i would say or no matter what dina would say even coming to god through prayer we just felt like we could not agree
0: yeah we were just not on the same page and it was related to a transition. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, thank God that it happened the way that it did because as much as it, (laughs) I mean, in the end, right? Because during that time, it really did split us apart and bring us away from each other. So fast forward, even when we look six, seven years later, we see how God redeemed that time, Mm -hmm. right? And what he taught us. And even Comparing that to the transition we just made from Nashville to here. I mean, it is a night and day difference.
1: Completely. Uh, To the point where I think with every transition that we've thought about before or even kind of brought up, there's been this fear, this underlying fear where like we don't want to go through what the seventh year brought us through. Because that was really, really hard. and. When we say hard, we mean like times where we would talk and we just couldn't agree. And so we would leave it. We talk about never letting the sun go down while we're still angry. And there were definite times where we're like, well, we just can't come to an agreement. So uh, I'm not angry at you. You're not angry at me. Let's go to bed.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's tough when both sides, when both husband and wife are deeply convicted that their way is right. Right. And that's what we were. We were deeply convicted and convinced that each of us was right. Mm hmm. Right, so it was just, so all that to say. If you are going through a transition right now, be sure to go to episode 71 because we did share some tips to help you thrive during that transition. And, and we've talked about it here and there during the last um, month or so, and I've written on it as well. So if you just go to inbetween.org slash episode 76, we'll be sure to get all of those links up. All that to say, marriage is difficult. Marriage is incredible for all of our single listeners. Marriage is incredible. <laughs> yes, it's refining. <laughs> It shapes you, it chisels away at you, but the end result is a beautiful thing. So let's get into it, Christina. Let's talk about the four things that we need to remember when marriage is hard.
1: Well, the first thing, even you mentioned it, Daniel, quickly in the top of the episode, is that marriage is a covenant and not a contract. So, Daniel, what's the difference?
0: Yeah, there's a lot of biblical theming and background that goes into that word covenant. But just quickly put, contracts can be broken, right? Yes, these, they these,
1: have an end date as well, right? Yeah, like they You do. don't meet up these things and then we're done by December 31st.
0: Yeah, there are clauses, there are end dates, there's loopholes. I mean, our day and age is filled with contracts, right? Even when you sign your contract with your phone company, you can still break it. Right. <laughs> there's consequences, right and just like in marriage and life there's consequences for everything that we do but instead of seeing marriage as a contract what would it look like if we saw marriage as a covenant because covenants can't be broken covenants are one of those things that are are made and it's it's made in agreement with each other and there's no out clause
1: <laughs> yes and it made before god as well yeah so i think in a contract if we're just drawing up a contract let's say with the phone company it's the phone company and me or it's the phone company and you uh, if you're buying a house it's the realtor and uh the broker and yourself mm-hmm. we just bought a house. That's why we're talking about it. But with a covenant, it's more than that. It's between the husband and the wife and before God.
0: Yeah. So when we think about it like that, what are the implications of seeing marriage as a covenant versus seeing marriage as a contract? Right. If you see your marriage as a contract, then going back to what Christina said earlier, there definitely is a sense of give and take.
1: And I think there's a sense of almost keeping a tally of, yeah, "Yeah, I am giving a lot more to this marriage than my husband is or vice versa. And so if he doesn't pick up the pace or he doesn't, you know, put more tallies on his side, then I'm out. I'm going to go find somebody else or whatnot.
0: No, this isn't a one-time decision where you say marriage is a covenant, our marriage is a covenant and not a contract. No, it slips in really easily. The whole tally thing. Yes. I mean, how many times after a really long day where maybe one of the kids was sick and you were at home and by the time I came home, I'd been out working uh, outside of the home all day and and expecting such and such and such. And and you were home all day working, thinking and expecting me to do such and such and such. And we're like, oh, but look what I did all day. And you're like, look what I did all day. And and it's just so easy. Oh, exactly. Right. (laughs) It's so easy to do that tally. So our advice to you is every time you are doing something or you expect to be served or you are wanting to be served from your spouse and you and you start grumbling in your heart when they don't do it or when they just care for themselves or and they're and they're not thinking about you. Or, and you, I mean, you, I don't need to go too specific because I think we all know what oh, we're talking about. Yes, it's
1: coming to the <laughs> yeah. right here. in yeah. the
0: head. <laughs> <laughs> the next time you find yourself in that situation, make a conscious decision to say no. Make a conscious decision not to just say, oh, I need to stop thinking like that. Make a conscious decision to say no to that thinking and instead consciously serve them actually do the opposite. The thing that you are wanting your spouse to do for you, even though you have an entire list of reasons why they need to do that for mm-hmm. you, why they need to actually clean up that last dish or that last piece of whatever. Right? Or put and away like, the Tupperware yes, lids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because <laughs> you did everything else and every single thing that you're thinking about that you're like, they have to do that. Consciously say, no, you know what? I'm going to choose to serve. I'm going to choose to do this, even though I don't want to, and it's their responsibility and such, I'm going to choose to serve and I'm not going to hang it over their head. I'm going to choose to shower my spouse with love, with care, and with generosity and see what happens.
1: Yes, I would totally encourage y'all to do this too and let us know what happens. And I don't think it's going to be like, if this is something that you haven't practiced in a long time, or this is something you've never done, I think your spouse may be surprised at first and be like, maybe this is pretty cool. Mm, (laughs) And be like, okay, let's see what happens here. And they may not respond right away. And the biggest thing too, is to remember that, yes, we are serving our spouse, but ultimately who are we serving? We Mm -hmm. are serving our heavenly father. We are loving our heavenly father through loving our spouse.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I know there's a lot of caveats that you could probably put in here and you're like, oh, you know, they always take advantage of me. They always do this. They always do that. And, and sometimes that does Need to be dealt with through counseling, right? But we'd say, on a kind of a, a, a general sense, in most marriages, unless you're like deep in the pits, then we definitely do encourage you to get counseling. Mm-hmm. We've gotten counseling, it's tremendous. Unless you're deep in the pits there, or unless there's like, I guess, some history of abuse, right? And there's a lot of that going on, then maybe this might not be the first thing that you do, right? Because it might perpetuate what is. But generally speaking,
1: yes, of an average, yes, healthy yeah. marriage, <laughs> yeah. this is what Healthy-ish, we're applying to. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah, this would be good. This would be good to try doing because as you do it over and over and over again, you'll actually see and as you choose, right, as you choose to stop keeping score, you'll actually see that that'll affect your spouse. And that'll affect your own heart, heart as will. well. It will. Yeah. Right.
1: All right. Let's go on to number two. The happiness of your kids does not trump the health of your marriage.
0: (laughs) But when you have kids, they almost kind of seem like everything, don't they?
1: Uh, I think a lot of times we make them everything, Mm, right? I think there's a lot of pressure these days for how much parents need to be involved or how much you think parents need to be involved or expected or how much your children are supposed to do. There's a lot of these unspoken norms Mm -hmm. that society has taken us to and really it's unhealthy Mm -hmm. so i always think my mom like we'll talk about it she's like man i feel really sorry for kids these days like comparing even one generation where my brother and i used to be able to go biking wherever we wanted to go like even in a forest y'all in a forest where random strangers could be lurking in the woods and yet we were still allowed to go And I think that's partly because there is a naivety, Mm -hmm. right? Like, we didn't have social media. We didn't uh, know what would happen in a different place and that we think, oh, no, this could happen here. There's that part. But also, I think there was just this understanding that kids can be kids and also that parents don't have to be involved in every single minute of their lives.
0: Yeah. But what changed?
1: I think a little bit has to do with social media. Yeah right, of this almost one-upping as well, like, oh, my kids are involved in soccer and piano and gymnastics, and they're on the travel ball team. What do your kids do? Without even saying that, right? You can just see people's highlight reels on social media. Mm-hmm. Also, the other part we were talking about is we can literally know what's happening all across the world. Mm-hmm. And there's this anxiety that has built up in us of needing and really feeling like we need to protect our kids or else, you know, they're going to be kidnapped or trafficked and these are all real things that happen and i think we're just living in this perpetual fear
0: yeah it's it's incredibly subtle it's this narrative that's just lurking underneath the surface the lie is that you are who you raise i mean this is one of the chapters in my upcoming book you are what you do and and as we move closer to the release date in february we'll be sharing a little bit more about this and and different lies that we believe in parenting but honestly This entire point, the lie that undergirds it, that is lurking underneath the surface is you are who you raise. So... It in Christina, you mentioned it great. I mean, the whole idea that social media kind of perpetuates that and, and it just kind of unconsciously goes deep within the surface, and you begin comparing. So, so then you think, okay, if my kids aren't doing this, then they're not going to be happy. And, but if they do this and they're happy, then I'm being a good parent. And if they, right? So it's just so subtle. So even for us, right? I mean, our kids were involved in piano lessons and sports and, you know, doing a ton of different things down in Nashville. And we said during this season, of transition back Mm -hmm. to Canada, we would, until Christmas, not put them in any extracurricular
1: until we kind of find out our rhythm, what it looks like to be involved in the church, in ministry, in our own school, in our own neighborhood, just to give us some flexibility as well.
0: Yeah. So, but honestly, in, my, in the back of my mind, I was like,
1: oh yeah, but if they're not
0: doing, if they're not continuing with swimming, if they're not continuing with pianos, then they're going to miss out on this, and they're actually not going to be happy because of this, 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 and... They're going to
1: fall behind. <laughs>
0: exactly. And... Are they happy?
1: (laughs) Really happy. (laughs) Yeah. I mean,
0: at the time of this recording, (laughs) we made three pizzas yesterday, did our own dough, cut our own ingredients, put it on this, you know, on our Kamado grill. So, I mean, we just did all that. And it was incredible. It was so much fun. And all it cost was food.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And having that quality time. And honestly, when I look back on my own childhood, do I remember the piano lessons fondly? Not really. I'm sorry, mom. (laughs) Do I remember all the sports? Yeah, I think there's great things that we can learn from that. But also, I remember the time that we are together as a family.
0: The wait is over. Find out what happens in the thrilling conclusion of the 12th Dead Sea Squirrels book, Babylon Breakout. Hi, I'm Mike Naraki, co-creator of VeggieTales, voice of Larry the Cucumber, and author of The Dead Sea Squirrels. Get ready for more daring rescues and hilarious jokes as Merle and Pearl and their animal friends embark on a ridiculous mission to bust the kidnapped Gomez family out of Babylon, a Bible-themed amusement park with talking animals. Young readers will love the nutty misadventures of 10-year-old Michael and his friends and will learn all about biblical life lessons such as forgiveness and friendship. Read all 12 Dead Sea Squirrels books. Available wherever books are sold.
1: So all that to say think it's really easy to fall into that but the one thing that i love that uh one of our friends had said she's been married for 60 years and she told us one of the best things she one of the best advice we've ever heard is christina your children are supposed to leave your home Hmm. your spouse is not Hmm. so in that lens where are you spending your time where are you investing your time your emotions, your love into. Obviously, you're not going to set your kids aside. But knowing that if you both of you are giving all your energy, all your time to your kids when they leave and you are looking at your spouse, is it someone that you really feel like you've invested the time and energy into to last for a lifetime? Or are you going to look at each other and be like, I don't know you. And Mm -hmm. without the kids being here as kind of a distraction, you are a stranger to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you have young kids at home, you might be like, oh, that'll never happen. This is just a season that's going. But honestly, there's this thing called gray divorce. The that's divorce among boomers, yep. it continues to increase.
1: Mm-hmm. We hear it all the time yeah, now. We do.
0: Yeah, so when you think about all of that, and you think about your marriage and you think about your priorities. I know for us, it's a bit easy because it's, it's obviously easier to start things than stop things, right. especially with kids activities and different things that they're doing. So in a sense, it's a little unfair because we have a fresh start and everything has stopped. <laughs> well, we already got, went through all that pain, right? right. Uh, but everything has stopped and we can start this new rhythm that does not put our kids above us. So, because it's really easy to say, "Oh no, we need to do our our kids here. We need to do this, and oh, we'll just skip our date night, or we'll just not hang out tonight because we're too tired." And and it's so easy to get into that rhythm. So, our challenge to you this week, right? And maybe you can share this with us on social media at In Between Show, is what is the one thing that you can stop so that you can start investing in your marriage a little bit more? What is one thing that you can stop? with your kids. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying neglect your kids. Right. And I know that has, I mean, in all 76 episodes, that's probably the last thing that you got from us. <laughs> right. But what is the one thing that you can stop where you've so focused on your kids and building your marriage around your kids? What is one thing that you can stop with them so that you can spend more time with your spouse? Whatever that is, so we'd love to hear from you and love to hear what that is because this is something that we all need to work on. Right. I mean, we all need to work on the health of our marriage and prioritizing our marriage over our kids because the world says otherwise right culture says don't do that culture says you are who you raise and the fact is that's not true
1: so don't believe
0: all right so let's go to number three which is divorce will not solve all your problems so don't romanticize it
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know if you all like this is full disclosure. There are times I think, especially in the movies and maybe uh, on social media, same thing is that you look and you're like, oh, well, if my spouse is not doing whatever for me is not, you know, giving me those butterflies anymore or not paying attention to me, maybe, maybe somebody else will. And if you let your mind go there and you romanticize what your so-called life is going to be if you leave your spouse, you are in for a rude awakening. Mm. But I think it's really easy to let our minds go there. So same thing you're talking about uh, in point one is that we have to stop those romanticizing feelings or romanticizing dreams because if you've listened to even the ron deal episode 74 and 75 talking about how hard it is to actually really blend families and so if you think that your life without your spouse now we're talking same thing normal average marriages, if you think that your life is going to be better in this different family or with somebody else, you're going to be disappointed because every single person has baggage. Every single person has sin in their lives. Every single person has issues. And just because you leave one spouse and try to be with someone else doesn't mean those things are not going to follow you.
0: Yeah, Christina, you're so right. We do need to stop that because the culture and movies and everything, it's really easy to romanticize that and to think that it's just some escape hatch and saying, "Oh, everything's going to be solved just by doing this." So what I'd encourage you to do is if if you if you can't necessarily just stop it because maybe you've gone too far down the road in your mind, hopefully not in action, but in your mind, mm-hmm. then what I'd encourage you to do is not just think about that very next step, but think two years down the road. What is life going to be like if you do this, right? Even six months down the road, what is life going to be like if you do this? If you decide to have an emotional affair, right? Or to have a physical affair and to leave your spouse. And do you th- how do you think that's going to affect your relationship with your kids? How do you think that's going to affect your relationship with your your mutual friends right. that you have with your spouse? How do you think it's going to affect your job and your performance? And what about, right? Do you see what I'm and doing? And your
1: lifestyle exactly. as well, right? Yeah. Are you going to be able to stay in the same house yes. for those who work at home or stay at home parents? Are yeah. you going to be able to do that? You're going to be able to take the same vacations mm. and all of those yeah. things.
0: And what is Christmas going to look like? when your siblings and their spouses are there. Right, that there's
1: in-laws and all of these things involved. And so we're not saying this to necessarily try to scare you, but at the same time, I think that a little dose of reality Mm. into fantasies is necessary.
0: Yeah, uh, honestly, and that helps a lot to think, because the thing about romanticizing this, especially if you're thinking about divorce, all you're thinking about is that fleeting moment. All you're thinking about is that very next It's the good stuff. Yeah, it's not what's all gonna happen afterward.
1: And honestly, y'all, if this is something like Daniel was saying before, that you've gone too far in your own mind or whatnot, this is another wonderful point to go seek a counselor. It's something that maybe you can go see a counselor yourself and work out those things. If it's something that you need to do both with your spouse, then obviously invite them into that. But there's nothing wrong with going to counseling just for yourself as well. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, let's get to our last point. The fourth thing to remember when marriage is hard.
1: In our whole seventh year of marriage, that was really, really difficult. I think one thing that we had learned, Daniel, is that we need to continue to talk. Mm -hmm. Even if we don't want to talk, even both of us don't love conflict. Mm -hmm. And so it's not something that we want to seek out all the time. We don't want to end in an argument knowing that this will probably not solve today. But we kept talking.
0: Yeah, even when you think about our enneagram, both of us are threes, and in times of stress, we go to a nine. So our which default, is just appeasing each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. our default is to stop talking. Right. right. Our default is oh whatever, just fake peace. So let's stop talking, and I'll give in. Right. Yeah. Or yeah. you'll
1: just fake peace and not give in, but not say anything.
0: Yeah. I mean, how many times, Christina, have we lied in bed pretending that everything was okay and just? <laughs> Like and we're tossing so and turning for an hour
1: quiet yeah.
0: neither so of us are sleeping so many
1: times so many times and, we're, and we're like, like we, we don't want to <laughs> say anything like who's gonna say something first and
0: we start talking like an hour later and we get to bed so late yeah, oh, yeah. Exactly. we still haven't learned this <laughs> yet we eventually start talking right
1: <laughs> right exactly and so that's the fourth point is to just keep talking i love what dr john Gottman. we'll talk more about him later in a different episode but he's actually a psychologist that studied all different kinds of relationships they actually had like a a room where they would put a couple in and there would be like a one-sided mirror so he could see all of the different things interactions and so they actually came up him and his team actually came up with different factors Mm. that they could almost predict divorce. And so one of them that uh, they found was called stonewalling. So what stonewalling is, is when one person, maybe both, but one person stops talking. So the listener will withdraw from the interaction or shut down or close themselves off uh, from the person who's talking because they're feeling overwhelmed or just too many emotions. And so it's like they are building a wall between the spouse.
0: So going to the research, you're saying that John Gottman discovered... That when one couple would stonewall the other, there's a higher likelihood of divorce?
1: Well, there's more than just oh, one. Okay, these are okay, one of gotcha. the points. Yeah. Um, So if you just stonewall, it doesn't mean that, you know, you're going to end in divorce. But yeah. these are different patterns that him and his team saw that would more likely lead to a separation in the marriage.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it makes a lot of sense, right? This idea of stonewalling, because if you stop talking, how are you going to resolve?
1: Exactly. And And how frustrating it is for the person who is talking, trying to sort it out, trying to, you know, even have an emotional connection or Mm -hmm. whatnot. And if the other person isn't saying anything, is ignoring them, is going on with their business and not making eye contact, like Mm -hmm. that is really frustrating.
0: Yeah, it really is. It really is. And it just saps the intimacy out of a marriage.
1: Completely. And they also said, um, Dr. Gottman was talking about that the more you practice that, the more you stonewall, the more that it becomes a habit and a practice right so then if it's something that annoys you as the speaker as the spouse who's trying to do it and the other person is continuing to stonewall that is just going to make the divide greater and greater
0: yeah and going back to culture right going back to what normal is and and we talk about this because Every time you watch a movie, TV, read whatever, I mean, it is, it's like inputs that are coming into you and it's affecting you, right? And it affects you. And if you're unaware and not conscious of the ways that these different narratives are shaping you or trying to shape you, they are going to affect you and change you. So, do you remember Christina? When I mean, this was so long ago when we binge watched OC. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, one of our one of the youth in our church got us into it, and I yeah. I we watched
1: uh, like maybe three episodes at a time, maybe three or four. Yeah, right. Yeah. And So it was, Netflix
0: wasn't around, but
1: <laughs> we had to like go run the DVD yeah, or yeah, whatever. Right, yeah. yeah, it was even before that. Yeah. Right? So we
0: would do that, and then it it I don't know what it was. A couple seasons in, we were like, wait a second, wait a second every we notice the pattern every time someone gets into a conflict someone the, one of the people just leave
1: yeah they literally walk away or yeah. the scene shuts down
0: yeah right? and we're like and oh my goodness not resolved <laughs> so right. yeah so and that and then you look at gray's anatomy you look at you look at all of these different shows uh-huh. i'm not we're not picking on those two in particular but you look at all these different shows and honestly that's the way a lot of people solve their conflicts
1: a lot of dramas yes, do that as they well just walk and away. you know why So this is coming out. Now we have to think of the different lens that we're looking at. Mm. Because in a good story, now this is a story. This is not real life. In a good story, you need unresolved conflict oh, to a point
0: Oh, it's tension
1: exactly oh, okay. because in that arc of a story yeah. right you need to build that tension up and that conflict up so that it will be resolved eventually true. but with shows they want you to continue to watch and watch and oh, watch right so maybe so right. The, the conflict only ends at uh the end of this season yeah so if you look at that these are like basically lies that we're telling ourselves like, oh, that was, oh, look, he can walk away and that's resolved, Mm. but it's not, right? And that's actually not real life. Yeah. Real life, you need to resolve conflicts. You need to talk. You need to understand where your spouse is coming from. You need to take that time Mm. to um, grow empathy in our own lives, to hear the other person out, to learn what their triggers are and all of these things for a healthy marriage.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's a powerful insight. It is. And healthy marriages are not drama filled stories that can go on TV. That's
1: right. Exactly. That's not what we're aiming for. No,
0: no. And think about (laughs) this, right? What what else is an unintended consequence? So think about this. What else is an unintended consequence of stonewalling? Well, if you are not connecting emotionally, that's going to open the doors to an emotional affair. Right? If you're not connecting emotionally, it's going to be really hard, especially for the woman, to want to have physical intimacy with right. you guys. And on and on and on and on it goes. There's a ton of unintended consequences that even though you think just putting a quick bandaid over and not talking about it or just per- pressing and pushing your feelings down and resolving it if, just because you think that that might work and resolve the conflict in the short term. there's a ton of unintended consequences that's going to affect it in the long term. So don't go there.
1: Right. So four things, y'all. Four things to remember when marriage is hard. So remember that marriage is a covenant and not a contract. Remember that the happiness of your kids does not trump the health of your marriage. Remember that divorce will not solve all of your problems, so don't romanticize it. And number four, you need to keep talking. And on that final point, Dino, I love how you brought up the Enneagram because the Enneagram has really helped us understand each other on a deeper level what makes us tick. What we're focusing on, what we're trying to repress, what we look like in health, what we look like in stress. And so because this has been so wonderful for our marriage, we actually want to give you something that we really believe will help you in times of conflict and help you be able to approach your spouse in a way that they would be able to receive and understand. So we put together a beautiful free printable. You can either keep it on your phone, you can print it out, and maybe even put it on your fridge about the nine Enneagram types. And so what we did is we broke down into like type one, type two, type three. We talked about what each type will look like, how each type will communicate, and also if you are in conflict with this number, then these are the things that you need to remember so that when you are talking to them, they are hearing you.
0: Yeah, so don't miss this. It's free and you can get it at org slash episode 76. That's org slash episode 76.
1: And we want to hear from you as well. Mm-hmm. If you're using it within your own marriage, maybe if you have children who know their Enneagram type and you're in conflict with them, perhaps it'll work in conflicts that you have with friends or even coworkers.
0: Yeah, and if you're thinking, hey, what should we talk about during our next date night don't talk about the kids talk about this (laughs) (laughs) print it out yeah if
1: y'all don't know your Enneagram number we will link a free test that y'all can take that is really good and then talk about it and be like hey is this true if you are it's saying that you're a type one is this true what sticks out to you that you think oh man this is something that I really want you to remember about me or is it like hmm I don't know I need to think about it more and start that conversation
0: yeah that'd be awesome so inbetween.org slash episode 76 and if we're not connected on social media our handle is at InBetweenShow, show and we'd love to interact with you on this topic and on anything else that's about building a strong connected and joyful marriage and family all right so that does it for episode 76 on episode 77 next week we are going to be talking about what your kids need more of so be sure to subscribe and hey one more thing if your spouse doesn't listen send this episode to them And have a conversation about it. Send this episode to them and talk about this during your next date night. All you got to do is text them inbetween.org slash episode 76 or hit share on your favorite podcasting app and just send that over to them. All right. Thanks again for listening in and we'll catch you next time.